Chapter Two of Captain Salt in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, Anchors Away. With the help of eighteen serving men, eight courtiers, six and two, seven and one, and Samuel Salt, who was not above carrying a sea chest or hamper, Atto began stowing his belongings on the crescent moon. There was little court apparel or finery in the king's boxes. Most of it consisted of bottles of flavoring extract, spiced sauces, cookbooks, minced meats, fruits in jars for pies, numerous frying pans, egg beaters, and rolling pans. "'Are we gypsies, panhandlers, peddlers, or what?' panted Samuel Salt, as he dumped the last load breathlessly on the main deck. Goose wing my topsails, mate. Many's the fish we cleaned with the jackknife and potato we paired with a dagger on the last voyage. Mean to say an explorer needs to use all these weapons on his pork and beans? Checking off a list as his stuff was placed in the galley, Atto nodded determinedly, then, winking good-humoredly at the perspiring captain, ducked into the cabin to don his old sea-clothes. Samuel was not long following suit and soon in short red pants, open shirts, and carelessly tied headkerchiefs, the two went below to inspect the stores Samuel had laid in for the journey. Roger, having nothing to bring aboard but a few books and a bottle of feather oil, was already perched in the cross-trees of the four-top-gallant mast, looking longingly toward the east, and waiting impatiently for the ship to get under way. But the booming voice of the pirate soon drew him to the lower deck, and from there he swooped down an open hatchway to the hold. This huge space, usually reserved by the pirates for captives and treasure, had been neatly divided into two sections. In one were the tinned, dried, and salted meats, the groceries, vegetables, and extra supplies of rope, tar, and sail. In the other section there were numerous shelves, many iron cages, aquariums, and sea-chests. "'For any strange animals or wild natives we may encounter and wish to bring home with us,' explained Samuel Salt, as Roger looked curiously at the cages. "'In those chests are the flags of Oz we shall plant here, there, and everywhere as we sail onward. And to think a new and mighty empire may grow from this flag-planting,' mused Atto, opening one of the sea-chests and thoughtfully fingering one of Ozma's green and white silken banners. But surely you don't expect to plant all these, Samuel?" "'Why not?' demanded the royal discoverer of Oz, with a wave of the scimitar he had resumed with his old pirate pants. "'The sea is broad and wide, and no one's to tell us when we may start or sail home again. But look, Atto, my lad, these will interest you.' Turning from the chests, Samuel pointed to a stack of long poles lashed to the side of the ship with leather thongs. "'Stilts!' grinned the pirate, as Roger and Atto stared at them in complete mystification. "'Fine for keeping the shins dry when we wade ashore and don't feel like lowering the jolly-boat. All my own idea.' Samuel cleared his throat with pardonable pride. <clears throat> "'Of course it takes a bit of practice.' But we'll try em on the first island we come to, eh, boys?" "'Well, thank my lucky stars for wings,' breathed Roger, after a long disapproving look at Samuel Stilts. Two steps and you'll smash yourself to a jellyfish, Atto. 
Stick to the boats, men. That's my advice. Too bad he has no confidence in us, roared Samuel, giving Atto a resounding slap on the back. Just wait, my saucy bird, and we'll show you how stilting is done. And now, gaze upon this corner I've set aside for my specimens, for rare marine growths, for seaweed, for curious mollusks, and other crustacean denizens of the darkest deep. Samuel coughed apologetically, as he did when he mentioned his collecting mania, and Roger and Atto, exchanging an amused grin, swung around to examine the long shelves with iron boxes clamped down to prevent them from shifting with the motion of the vessel, huge aquariums fitted into brass holders, and large trays bedded with dried moss and sand for Samuel's collection of shells. "'You might even bring home a mermaid in this,' murmured Atto, touching the side of an enormous aquarium. "'No women,' snapped Samuel Salt, growing red in the face for he did not like to be teased about his specimen-collecting. I'll, I'll have no women or mermaids switching their tails around my ship and turning things topsy-turvy. Right, agreed Atto, giving his belt a vigorous tug. Then how about shoving off, Sammy? Everything's shipshape. There's a good wind, and the best way to begin a voyage is to start. I'm for it, roared the captain, swinging hand over hand up the wooden ladder. All hands on deck, up with the master's flag, Roger. Cast off the mooring lines, Atto, while I make sail, and we'll be out of here in a pig's jiffy. Aye, aye, croaked Roger, seizing the cord that would send Atto's octagon banner flying to the masthead, directly under the flag of Oz. Good-bye, all you lovers ashore. Good-bye, seven and one. Mind you keep the king's crown polished, and don't forget to feed the silverfish. Goodbye, called the one hundred and eighty Octagon Islanders, drawn up on the beach and docked to see His Majesty sail away. A fine voyage to your highness. And neglect not to return, shouted Six and Two, using his hands as a megaphone. You know there is a Crown Council eight days and eight months from yesterday. Crown Council be jigged, sniffed Atto, leaning far over the rail to wave to his cheering subjects. I'm a cook, an explorer, and a bold, bad seafaring man out to collect islands and jungles and jilly-cum-wiggles for Samuel Shellbox. Crown Council, indeed! Don't care if I never see a castle again. Me neither, squalled Roger, flying up to his post in the foremast. Seven bells and all's well, boy off the beam and no land in sight. Unless you look behind you laughed Samuel, grabbing the wheel with a practiced hand, and squinting cheerfully up at the sun. East by southeast it'll be this voyage, mates. There's ice in the north, Nonestic, and I've a craven for tropical isles and the hidden rivers of some deep and mysterious jungle. Remember Snow Island? smiled Atto, coming over to stand beside the wheel. <laughs> Shiver my shins, do I? No more of that, me lads. But ho, oh, isn't this like old times? Stretching up his arms exultingly, Samuel Salt let his hands fall heavily on the wheel, and the great ship lifting with the wind plunged her nose eagerly into the southeast swell. Mm-hmm, just like old times, except for the boy, agreed Atto slowly. 
Aye, and we'll surely miss Peter on this trip, sighed the captain, shaking his head regretfully. Wonder where the little lubber is now. That's the trouble with these real countries and peoples. There's no getting at them when you need them most. Well, maybe we'll pick up another hand somewhere to serve as cabin boy and keep us lively on the voyage. But take a look at my sail controls, Atto. We can hoist, trim, and furl by just touching different buttons nowadays. Set this wheel for any course and just let her ride. Splendid, grunted Atto, rising reluctantly from a coil of rope. But since there are no buttons on my stove, I'd best be thinking about dinner. Tar and tarpaulin! Why didn't I have the red gin fix you some? exclaimed the pirate regretfully. I'm sorry as a goat, mate. Ho, ho, I'm not, laughed Atto, waddling happily off toward his galley. That would have spoiled everything. What'll it be, Captain? A fried sole, a broiled steak, or a roaring huge hot peppery meat pasty? All of em, yelled the royal explorer of Oz, exhaling his breath in a mighty blast of anticipation. It seemed to Roger, high in the foremast, that the ship gave an extra little skip at its captain's mighty roar. Then, settling easily into her usual graceful pace, she ran smoothly before the wind. End of chapter 2